Welcome to Football After Dark Wednesday edition. It's Newsday, and there's some fucking news. Today I'm joined by professional sports broadcaster and PFF analyst Nate Kuyper. Oh, hi. Hi. Hello. Hello, that's you. Yes. Yeah, that is me. <laughs> Number one, she's fan Matt Dustin. Hi. And he did a Hades run by only dashing Corey Clements. Hello. And I, I'm you, just going to introduce you, you as something relating to Hades from now on you, until you say, stop are you running. A professional, are you a professional Hades player now? Not until I get paid for it. <laughs> okay. But he's doing good. You're not, pro, you're not pro until you get paid for it. He, he's That's an fair. excellent amateur Hades I guess player. I, I guess I'm a pro Zooter runner. You know, uh, I get Twitch streamer. I make uh, five cents in ad revenue a month. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's That's, you know what? In one and a half years, that's one dollar. So which is for itself, boys, which is which is. Two twenty-two million nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine ninety-nine cents more than what the Jets paid Le'Veon Bell to play for a season and a half. Yeah, well, you know, Adam Gase is cutting everybody he doesn't like because he's going to burn the organization to the ground as he cokes out. <laughs> I don't understand how he's. Like, allowed to get away with this? I don't know. Yeah, pretty, pretty New York much. Obviously yeah, but... doesn't care. New York's like, we only need one good football team, and Buffalo's okay, but they didn't realize did... what happened last night happened. Did you? It's, Go ahead, it's the Eric Andre meme of him shooting the guy <laughs> yeah. in the background, and he's shooting the Jets, and he's like, why are we bad? <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did you see his quote about the idea that they misused Le'Veon? Did his job to use him right. His quote, dude, you understand? His quote literally was like, it doesn't matter that he was misused. That was his exact quote, that it doesn't matter if he was misused. No, sorry, the, type of the quote was, no, it doesn't matter if he was misused. <laughs> Do you think that they're just <laughs> holding on to him? Do you think they're holding on to him in the hopes that they're not going to win a game as long as he's the coach and then they can just get Trevor Lawrence? No, I don't know. no, that's Maybe. never the no, that's never the goal. It's never the fucking goal. If that was the goal. Why did they? Why have they been doing this for two years now? That's not the goal. They are literally just fucking dumb at this point. It's the only thing. I know this sounds really mean, and I'm sorry, Jets people, but like, that there's a, there's a certain point, man. Like, it only took a year to figure out Adam Gase and exactly what the fuck he was gonna do. This organization has been shit since the moment he fucking got there, before he got there, and it's gotten worse since he got there. There's... You're hoping for Trevor Lawrence last year, too? When you got Sam Darnold? Well, that was a couple years ago. Yeah, a couple years ago. Yeah, even then. Like, this has been happening for too long now. No, they're just, like, literally doing boneheaded, dumb, dumb shit. They're what, done. What's, what's so funny about it, too, is that the season ended right now because of some crazy tiebreakers, they wouldn't even have the first overall pick. Yeah, that's the you can't the, giant, even bank the, giant, on that. the Giants would have it. You, you can't you can't bank on getting a first overall pick in the NFL for a few different reasons. First of all, the players aren't on board for that. So like 
like the players are going to play no matter what. This is kind of like everybody, you know, talking about how the Dolphins were tanking or whatever, but like the Dolphins were just talented enough to win five games. I don't know what's going on with Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville. Is like even if they want Trevor Lawrence, he's the one out there throwing the balls around and trying to win games. You'll he's you'll never win one game so far. You'll never get a locker room on board for a tanking season. No matter how many so, players you chuck out, there's always the way the NFL works. There's always a chance you're going to win games. Always, tanking is like. The like tanking works in certain other sports. It, it just does not work in the NFL. It doesn't. Where do we think Le'Veon is going to go, if anywhere? I, I don't know who's who wants to pick up that contract. Who can afford to pick up that contract? The Houston Texans. They certainly can. can't. <laughs> they certainly can't. Where's Bill O'Brien when we need him to scoop up Le'Veon Bell? They can't even. They oh, wouldn't even be able to go. Bill O'Brien's music. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> right now, the Texans can't even afford to roll up to the grocery store and buy a 32 pack of Glizzies. Do you think they're gonna fucking be able to? You think they're gonna be able to pay Le'Veon Bell? They'll find a way. Bill, I don't see him leaving the state of New York. Uh, after watching Singletary last night. I don't. Buffalo's struggling with their running game. Uh, and they kind of need one in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw Josh Allen last night force some passes because they couldn't really get anything go, going on the ground. Um, and that's led to a couple early interceptions that. Yeah. Which were the reasons that. Tennessee got ahead so early. Yeah, I, I think uh, I got Buffalo up as like my number one landing spot for Le'Veon. A lot of people do, actually. Plus, you get to play the Jets. Oh, yeah, yeah he does. Like, get to get coach. I think, like, there's a, Buffalo has a really smart coaching staff. He could go there. He could actually like be utilized correctly. I, they have Singletary and Moss. They, they, they don't want him. Yeah, they're not doing anything. I mean, like Moss has been hurt, but Singletary was out. That has been out there, and he's not producing on the ground. He's getting like what, fifty yards a game? Yeah, but Le'Veon hasn't been performing to his contract number. The only team that I could see him going to or pick, taking a chance on him is Bill Belichick. You get Cam Newton and Le'Veon Bell together, and he'll do something with that. That's the only team I could see him going to. I don't know. He's he's working well with Burkhead and. Uh, Damian Harris is playing well in his one game. That's the thing. Damian Harris was—they couldn't stop talking about Damian Harris in the offseason, and then he got that unfortunate injury. Having eight running backs on the roster, he likes throwing five running backs at you a game, and then sitting three, and then taking those three and playing them the next week, and sitting another three. He puts like eight running backs in rotation, so he'll slap someone with Le'Veon Bell one week, and then the next week it will be you know. Burkhead, and then Sony Michelle have one good game this year, and I don't know. It's just what Belichick yeah, does. Bill Belichick just rolls up to all these running backs, like, "Hey, can you catch a pass five yards upfield towards the sideline?" They're like, "Yeah, suppose I could." And then he does like the subway commercial thing where he cuts off all the parts of their shirt, and he's like, "Okay, good. I'll see you practice." I think I think there's a um. 
what's the word? A misguided idea among Pittsburgh fans that the Steelers would have him back. No. Yeah, it's it's not in a million oh, years. No. It's the exact same staff James there. Do you Connor, think they want him back? It's the James Conner show, sort of, when he's not hurt. They they don't need that. They I don't think I think Mike Tomlin's had enough headaches for one life. I think he's just praying we, that you know Chase Claypool doesn't like go crazy after the four touchdowns or whatever. I think he's like he he just wants like his players to calm down. Chase Claypool's quite the memer. Yeah, he is. I saw he's got a YouTube channel and uh, I watched his like Pittsburgh house tour and stuff like that. It's cool, dude. And then like after I watched all his YouTube videos, he goes out and scores Tom Brady fourth down four touchdowns. (laughs) Uh, Just on the record, when they took him, I was excited because I liked him. Yeah, Yeah. you were. I remember that on the record. Right. I guess he was just one of those. Wide receivers that kind of slipped through the cracks a little bit in this great wide receiver class. It it was because like they were so obsessed with how big he was. Like God, he's just too big to play wide receiver. And I don't know. I was gonna. I, I might actually look it up while we're here, but I don't know if it's if it's my eyes deceiving me or whatever. But he looks a lot thinner than he did at the combine. Does he not? Yeah, like he does not look like very big. Like he looks tall, but like next to like Juju looks bigger than him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I don't know if he like lost a bunch of weight during training camp to try to like thin himself out and get a little more like make it easy. Because the big knock on him was that he didn't play very fast. He just kind of used his size and physicality to beat people. But he's very fast. Like at the combine, he blazed. At the 40, I just think, you know, maybe I don't know. You know what? I'm going to look that up. I'm actually going to figure out if he actually. Wow, it's the first thing that popped up, man. You could tell that he's been um, Notre Dame playing. Wait, I don't even know if this is a thing that I can find. All right. So, so 238 is what it says here. And if I go to, all right, so 238. And then if I go, where is the O-line, or I'm sorry, the wide receiver cornerback matchups, I go to Pittsburgh, and I find Chase Claypool. It says, where is it? Is the height and weight thing not available? No, it should be. Um, I'm sorry, I'm taking so long, but I want to figure this out. Um, yeah. Okay. So he's he's apparently his playing weight is two twenty seven, and in college he weighed two forty. Oh, he shed uh, off so a little bit. Pounds. Yeah. So he's lost like fifteen pounds, almost. Mm, trying to thin himself oh, wow. out a little bit. Yeah. So I I that was just like something that crossed my mind when I was thinking about it too. Like he looks a lot thinner mm-hmm. yeah, because that was the big knock on him. So. I don't know. It seems to be. It seems to have helped. I don't know. But the fat pod boys, totally fat pod boys, were wrong about. And I, I don't even like think about that shit anymore. Fucking DK Metcalf's out there tearing it up. <sighs> Look, man. We did also say that like Russell Wilson's throwing yeah, in the we ball. Right so like him. we were right about him last year. He he ran streak patterns and dropped a bunch of passes. He needed a year to develop, and then he developed. 
Yeah, they said uh, talked about it. Russell Wilson was talking this week. He said they went down or they went down to Mexico together. Uh, kind of right when this COVID thing happened, and they just spent hours upon hours upon hours just working on little things. And it definitely shows like the improvement over the last year. I mean, he's significantly better this year. Um, it's been it's been cool to see. I, I, he's a fun player. So I'm actually, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, go ahead. Whatever you're gonna say. I was gonna change topics. So if you wanted to say something, no. regarding that. oh, I was just gonna look. I'm I'm looking at his. I'm looking at actually at his route tree for this year so far, and for the most part, he's still mostly a vertical wide receiver. He uh, I don't think there's been any game. Yeah. So there's been no game so far this year where he's run more short to intermediate routes than deep routes. So he's still primarily a deep threat. Now, the difference is, is he's been lining up all over the field. I think that's been the thing that's been helping him Um, in week one. I, I believe all but two of the routes that he ran came from the left side of the of the field. But then two weeks later, it was the exact opposite, where out of all the routes he ran, only two of them came from the left side. So the Seahawks are lining him up in various places and maybe trying to get him matched up on specific people. And so far, I I think it's it's worked, obviously. I mean, he's had at least 92 yards receiving in every single game. So that's also I'm not going to knock on his route tree when that's pretty much what their offense is, is just throwing down deep passes. And, and Russ is really good at it, so like, of course you would do it. Yeah, yeah he. It's not so much... I was thinking about this today. It's not so much I didn't like DK Metcalf coming out of college. It was that his skill set and his limitations coming out of college weren't well-suited that you could just stick him on any NFL team and he would succeed. But he just so happened to go to the team that is basically deep shots and running game, and that's it. And it works out. So it's nothing against DK. I think that the analysis of him coming out of the league was correct. I still think I, I and I, I, I this is going to be a hot. He had take. a I, very rough. He had a very rough rookie season. We he were did. right about him last year. Yeah. I, 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 st- I still think AJ Brown is a little bit better than him, but that's just me. Uh, AJ Brown is a little, a lot of bit better than him. So I think AJ, AJ Brown, <laughs> he had himself a game is so good. Can we talk? Are we, were we going to talk about the game last night? Was that going to be yeah, part of the sure. thing we talked yeah, about? Sure. Yeah. Let's go. Um, my, my quick thing about the game was, um, I don't like the, I, I don't like the, the narrative that, Tennessee should be heralded as this like heroic, like, you know, motivational story about what happened to them. No. Like, no, 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 they broke protocols. They were, they, they were, they had to forfeit games. They put the season in jeopardy. They should be punished. They're probably still going to be punished. Um, even though Roger Goodell came out and said, oh, well, we couldn't find any evidence that they willingly broke protocols. You don't have 22 fucking people come down with this thing when you're not breaking protocols. So I don't, I I don't like that narrative of it, but that still doesn't brush aside the fact 
that what they did last night was so incredibly impressive. Like that was impressive. Like they practiced one day, (laughs) one day on Saturday. They have not touched a football field like officially (laughs) except for Saturday, especially once like the report came out, obviously then they're not going to go out and do anything, but like to only have a bunch of walkthroughs, you have, you know, eight starters not out there because they're on the COVID list. You lost Taylor Lewan during the game periodically. You basically had a bunch of wide receivers that Ryan Tannehill's never worked with out there catching the ball. And they stomped the Bills. Like the Bills may not lose that badly the rest of the season. Like that I, that part that part of it was very impressive. There's gonna be very few teams that lose that badly for the rest of the season. I think it's a testament that every time we somewhat doubt the Titans' legitimacy, they come out and stomp. Like they have the playoff tenure from last year to prove it. Like, eh, whatever. They beat New England. Eh, whatever. Stomp the Ravens. Eh, whatever. Had a lead against Kansas City. Like they have they have the pedigree that they can compete when their backs are against the wall. And like, they just showed it again. We thought Ryan Tannehill is going to regress to the mean on his deep balls. No, maybe his mean is what it is right now. <laughs> like he don't miss dude. Just another, just another nail in the coffin of Adam Gase ruins everything he touches. Mm-hmm. Like, like I saw I saw the Colin Cowherd thing this morning. Did you see that? That No, I didn't. When... If you put up right over the last 17 starts, because that's how many starts Ryan Tannehill has had for the Tennessee Titans, 17. If you put up his statistics next to Lamar Jackson's statistics, they are almost identical. Huh. Like Lamar Jackson, who is the exact like we think about Lamar Jackson and we think about Ryan Tannehill like polar opposite ends of the universe right but if you just look at just like i said 17 starts whatever you can say it is what it is but they're identical like they're almost let me see if i can find it he's identical he's identical with lamar he's got his passer rating since becoming the starter is 116.7 that's better than mahomes is 102 the titans have scored a touchdown 47 out of their last 55 red zone trips that's an 85.5% touchdown that's, ratio in their last 17 games. That's so stupid. It's That's like disgusting. video game numbers. I don't know, man. I, I, is Tennessee like is Tennessee good? Like is Tennessee this good? I feel like they are. I, I'm not ready to call them like best in the AFC, but like they they're, they're going to be competing for the one seed. I think this is a team that can compete for the one seed. Now I don't think and I know what Corey's going to jump to here. Conversely, I don't want to hang too much on the Bills for this loss. Um a lot of things went wrong for the Bills. Um Josh Allen, the first pass he threw was a pass that hit Seth Roberts in the chest and was an interception. Um, they had a lot of drops. Corey mentioned earlier they could not run the ball. 
Um, Josh Norman got absolutely destroyed. Oh, my God. All the memes from that image. I've been like, oh. It's so good. Good morning, football. Like They do the angry runs scepter thing that Kyle Brandt gives out. And he was like, I saw the clip. He's like, I'm going to wait until after the Tuesday game because you never know. And when I saw that stiff arm, I immediately like tweeted at him like, is this angry enough for you? And obviously he had already tweeted about it and everyone's already making memes. And then Mina Kimes is like, Josh Norman, you might not want to get on Twitter for the next week and a half. <laughs> oh, man. It's. Yeah, but then like you have to were, see some of the you have to see some of the meme images, there, Justin. If you haven't, they're so there, good. There are some really good ones. There's ones where like they're inside like a WWE ring, and Derrick Henry's throwing him over the top rope. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there, there's a lot of good ones. They have other people like commenting on it. You have Dalvin Cook saying, "That's a grown man he tossed like that." I got to go lift some more weights or something. I don't know. I never did that. That's coming from Dalvin Cook, who just had himself a game. Like. <laughs> Oh man, you know the worst thing? That run was flagged, so it didn't even like count. All right. I'm still mad about that. I feel like I feel like it should have counted just in hindsight. Right? <laughs> like just in hindsight, the ref should have been like, you know what, Josh Norman, fuck you. We're picking up the flag. That counts. That's going in the history books as a play <laughs> that happened. But like, I don't know. I, I like I don't think anything less of the Bills. I just think this was a bad. It was a really bad game. They had a lot of penalties. Tredavious White didn't play. Um, they had, they Anthony really Milano had didn't like, play. They really only had like one uh, like bright spot. They were uh, 76.5% on third down. They converted 13 to 17 third downs, but, but they still lost by 26. I, I, like, I don't know how you, what you make of that. Um, special teams, they turned the ball over three times. Mm-hmm. That was the main. I think that was the big thing. They turned the ball over three times. Um, Josh Allen had one unlucky interception, one really bad interception, and then they fumbled on on a kick. That'll get you. That'll get you down twenty six. Even if you convert almost eighty percent of your third downs. All the interceptions led to instant red zone possessions for the Tennessee Titans. They did, actually, yeah, they did. Yeah, because even that second one Malcolm Butler had, he returned it for, like, 40-something yards. Oh, that's right, yeah, he, re- he had a big return. I forgot about that one. He had, a, like, a huge return on that it. Was, that was the, the, the better of the ones. The, the other one's just more memorable because it was the first pass of the game for Josh Allen. Yeah. I think the... I think the turnaround now for the Bills is really tough because because of all the COVID situations, we went from having a Chiefs. We could have potentially had a situation where the Chiefs and the Bills both lost on the same day and had the exact same amount of time to prepare for each other. But now the Chiefs are getting two extra days to get ready for their game against the Bills. And the Bills were embarrassed on national television. And like the Chiefs lost to the Raiders, but like it was a one o'clock game. There's a bunch of other one o'clock games. People are going to forget that they lost to the to the to the Raiders. Like people are going to forget that loss was. Shocking, like no one expected after not practicing for two weeks for the Titans to come out and lambaste the Bills. But 
and now they have to bounce off that to face the Chiefs on Monday night. The wounds yeah. are pressure. That's a lot of pressure. It really is. Um, I think we'll one of the one of the things that was like this was actually the I don't think any of these two things were on the original itinerary for the episode today. Um, they got added because things happen. What's up? Bell was. Bell was. Okay, yeah. The game wasn't. Uh, the first thing in, in the most bold capital letters. Well, it's the top of the note. So the top oh, of the note right, starts the title. I, I thought you I thought you made it that no. to be the, the biggest thing. Um, no. How did the four of us feel about Justin Herbert? Okay. He's the best quarterback I've ever seen not win a game. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a very like abundantly clear like offensive rookie of the year front runner, right? I don't think there's anybody even in the conversation with him. Yeah, like, it, it's it is absolutely nuts how this kid has been able to go out and offensively outplay like Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes, and yet still lose because of. I mean. Mostly special teams blunders. I mean, the Chargers are just continuing their what? What they were? What one and eight in one score games last season? Yeah, right. They're just continuing uh, this. I'll, not, I'll hold on one second. Yeah, I, I know it's. Here. I know it was something like that or something bad. You have to give me the exact stat. I'm curious though. I want to know. Not great. I want to know. I want to know what like, they were. I like Anthony Lynn as a coach, but like when you have that many close. Losses. Yeah, where does it fall? You know. Yeah, where does the plane fall? It's like I have to. I have to like Anthony Lynn is a good players coach. She like 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 he said like he wanted he knew Justin Herbert was going to be the starting quarterback for the rest of the year on Monday, but he knows how much of an impact Tyrod Taylor is to that locker room and everything and Tyrod Taylor's pass and it's gonna it was gonna be so difficult for him to tell him that he had to wait till Tuesday. And like he said, it's like even worse because it was something that the team did to put Tyrod in that situation that he had to sit out. He's a great person and a great like players coach, but when it comes to just playing in games He's not very. He's not good in game. He's just that's it. He's just not a good in game coach. They they got the ball at the end of the fourth quarter, trying to get down to score to tie it up, and they're running the ball. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you need to get down the field and score. Like, we understand Herbert has like a cannon, but why are you why are you coming out so conservative? You don't want to leave any time for Drew. Like. We've seen well, all, yeah. like, what Drew's done in the past with 40 seconds. Like, has been too much time to leave. Yeah, last year in the game in week one against Houston. Right, but I don't know. Like, I their offense has just been streaky. Like the other night, they put up all those points, but they came from big plays. Like, and then they would have another. Their next drive would almost be like another three and out. They just like, and I think that's something that Justin Herbert's going to improve on in his career is just being able to 
sustain drives more consistently. But I think that was their biggest issue was like they were just they were only able to move the ball in chunk plays. I I definitely think he's I mean it's funny because he and obviously it's him and Burrow and the two of them have combined for only one career win. <laughs> and strangely enough, the win was Burrow beating um who did the Bengals beat? Who the heck did they win? Who did they win against a couple weeks ago? Was it the Jets? Who'd they beat? Did they, beat? did they beat Tyrod Chargers? No, no, that, that was week one, and, and they had the Randy Bullock, oops, ow, my hamstring oh, no, oh, God. kick. Why can I not think of who they beat? Who did they beat? I'm bringing up their schedule right now. Oh, my God, I'm, I'm blanking on, on, who the, on who the Cincinnati Bengals beat they for their beat first the Jaguars. Game. Oh, the Jaguars. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, Herbert has been really good. But then week two, he got Pat Mahomes. He just threw an interception in the fourth quarter. Like, oh, well, now you lose. Mm. Um, and then he got Brady'd. Which, again, he threw an interception in the fourth quarter. And yeah. Lost. Yeah. And then the Carolina game was just messy, but they had that hook and ladder play that should have worked, but didn't. And then this game where they had Badgley freaking doink the field goal oh by the way um the chargers last year were two and nine in one score games which is a one and nine okay i was close no, to one and eight yeah they were they were two and nine not one oh, and nine two, two and nine, nine. sorry <laughs> you're in 11 one score games that's so messed up that's so messed up all their games this year have been one score games Four of which they've lost. Yeah, they're on trend for it to be even worse. It, it's incredible, what? honestly. What? Three and 13 in close games. Yeah, that is actually, yeah. That would be what it is. I just don't know, man. I don't know what their problem is. Unless it, it's just something... It, it, it's like... Did you guys see the picture of Justin Herbert on the sideline? looking at Drew Brees go down to kick the game, to what was the game-winning field goal, and someone, like, photoshopped, like, a, a somewhat translucent picture of Philip Rivers behind him with his eyes closed. <laughs> like, like Philip Rivers was, like, somewhere, like, channeling. He's like, you will lose this game. <laughs> the ghost of Philip Rivers follows you everywhere. Once he affects your franchise, it's over for you. Speaking of Philip Rivers... He is, this is just a quick thing, I don't really need to talk about him. Uh, since the beginning of last season, he has the third most turnovers just behind Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones. Oof. Did you see that, uh, the Pat McAfee video with Dan Orlovsky? Not yet, no. That's what, that, I'm asking Corey. Is that oh, where you got that from? I saw it from, I saw something on Twitter about it. I don't know if that was from, it was from. Yeah. There was a video of Pat McAfee talking to Dane Orlovsky, and Orlovsky said that about Philip Rivers. And you could, you could just see, like, the look on Pat's face of just, like, uh, just of, like, disgust. <laughs> of just, like, God, 
Fucking damn it. <laughs> that's, turnovers are terrible for Pat McAfee because that means you don't get the punt. <laughs> Pat McAfee's least favorite thing is turnovers because he doesn't get the punt. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. All right. What else do we have? Um, but yeah, I'm all I'm all in on the Justin Herbert rookie of the year so far. Um uh do we wanna since we're talking about the Chargers, do we wanna talk about um since Corey put it on here, do you want to talk about Drew Brees a little bit and how much better he played in the second half of that game? He's he's winning without Thomas, without fans at the Superdome, and he's still putting up good completion numbers. And we even saw last night he was hitting deep passes. Like he didn't do too many of them, but he did enough that when they were, besides the one he sailed in the first half, they were all good. Like, you had the deep pass to Jared Cook, which was a blown coverage, but then you had a few 15, 19-yard completions to Emmanuel Sanders. It's... I mean, I, that was a... That was a that's exact, that, that right there was what New Orleans Saints fans expected when they brought in Emmanuel Sanders. That's what they wanted to see. <laughs> and then you hear the stories about the competitive Michael Thomas laying into Emmanuel Sanders in the first game against Tampa Bay, yelling at him for lining up in his wrong positions and everything. God. <laughs> is, is Michael Thomas a psychopath? I, I, he's probably... Uh, I'm gonna, you could you he's probably the biggest competitor one of the biggest competitors in the game right now and you could interchange the word competitive with asshole freely I don't <laughs> I don't I don't know if there's too much of a difference um, uh. but it's it's just one of those things where like he wants to win he's they've been you know, so close for so long since almost he's been in the league. They've been so close and just, I'm sure he's sick of it. Uh, the story, oh my God, the story about him and Eli Apple at OSU, did you guys hear that? No. Oh, he would, he would like <laughs> shit talk him or something? Well, he, it was a little bit more than shit talk. It was, uh, Eli Apple would cover him in practice at OSU. And whenever he caught the ball on Eli Apple, he was like, he would just go over to the coach to be yelling, like, you gotta, you gotta go recruit somebody that can cover me. Ain't this guy can't cover me over here. He's worthless. You can't, he can't cover me. And just like berate him for literally the entire practice. And then, and then the Saints traded for him and brought him to New Orleans to play with Michael Thomas. That had to be his hell. Like, just like thinking he was finally off the team with Michael Thomas and then having to go back. It's just one of those assholes that you have to put up with because he's so good. Like, yeah, I I guess so. Kind of ignore him as much as you can. It doesn't feel good to do that, though, but me i just i just just as an aside we don't have to talk about this much either but 
I just found saw this video. The tweet is uh, when the NFL gives you nine 1 p.m. kickoffs and only two late kickoffs, and one of them is the Adam Gase Bowl, Jets versus the Dolphins. Here, and this is this was the video that they shared. See if you guys can hear this. I don't know if you can. Oh my god. That's that's actually Scott Hansen in that video. (laughs) Dude, poor poor Scott Hansen this weekend, dude. Oh no. I don't know how he's gonna keep keep the energy up when one of the four o'clock games is uh Ryan Fitzpatrick decimating the New York Jets. NFL has been flexing some games up to uh, four o'clock this week or this so far this season with all the moves. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them gets pushed back a couple hours coming up. That's what they did with uh, Indianapolis and Cleveland last week, right? It was supposed to be a one o'clock game and then they pushed it to four o'clock. Yep. Well, the other other four o'clock game is Green Bay, Tampa. That's the one everybody's going to be watching. That's the one everyone's going to want to watch. We have a primetime game with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because no one else is gonna watch the. Uh, no one's gonna watch the Miami Jets game. Right. Truth, but that's bad. I didn't realize that Kansas City Buffalo was at five five p.m. on Monday. Yeah, because it wasn't the original Monday game, so that's... we're getting another Monday doubleheader. I can't believe they didn't just like bump back Arizona Dallas and make Kansas City Buffalo like. Well, you know, until Dak got injured, that Arizona-Dallas was going to be a good game. Well, that's a perfect segue, because the other thing we're supposed to talk about is Andy Dalton taking over for the Cowboys? So the purpose of this, um, for for anybody who doesn't know, um, after Dak Prescott's injury, he got his surgery. It was successful. Um, He's got a timeline of about four to six months before he could return to the NFL. Like so, four to six months before you can walk again, right? So it's gonna. So it is the Andy Dalton show for the rest of the year in Dallas. Like we didn't already expect that, um, so, right? Yeah. What well, are our expectations of this? Um, knowing Andy Dalton, he'll win the division and then lose in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> so my thing is. I don't know if it's an expectation, but like Matt says, if he wins the division after they have a terrible start, you know, the whole division's had a terrible start, including them. If he wins the division and he gets to a, like a championship game or a Super Bowl with Andy Dalton, what do you do with Dak? Sayadora. Or you get the Nick Foles situation. Yeah, you get the Nick Foles situation. We saw how going with the guy they drafted is gone for Philadelphia. I mean, I feel like Philadelphia was more tied to Carson Wentz than the Cowboys are to Dak because Philadelphia traded up to get Carson Wentz in the first round. Carson was the leading MVP up until when he got injured. Yep. Um, Here, just a real quick thing. Um, I found this little blurb here about the difference between Alex Smith and Dak Prescott's injuries, because you know how we were kind of drawing that comparison 
um, to to the injury about how there was like a fracture and it broke the skin and the infection and stuff like that. Uh huh. Um. So this is this is I'm just gonna read the blurb verbatim. Um. Many are asking about the differences between Alex Smith's 2018 fracture and Dak Prescott's broken ankle this Sunday. The key difference is that Smith suffered a long spiral fracture on his tibia, while Dak had an ankle fracture dislocation, which are vastly different injuries. Among among important factors here is the risk of infection. Alex Smith went down on a grass field with much more exposure to bacteria and organisms from the soil. It had much more invasive surgery with higher risk. Dak Prescott went down on turf with less exposure, and the surgery to repair required only minimal incision. This all means he has a reduced chance of infection as opposed to Alex Smith's grade three wound, which was further complicated by the dirty socks that he was wearing. We feel good about his ability to get back out on the field by week one next year. Yeah. Valid. valid. It's looking like, yeah, it's nowhere near as severe as of an injury. Also, um, because of the spot where it's breaking right there on that ankle, instead of like your tibia, is that there's a lot less ligament damage as well during the break. So um, it, it's easier for, for just like a pure bone break to heal like that. Now, it, it, it always, you always get the upper chance of re-injury after you break something. It's just how it works, right? But mm-hmm. that specific spot is a lot less dangerous compared to, you know, yeah, your whole ass leg. Mm-hmm. So it, ass it, it'll leg. be a lot easier for Dak Prescott to get back in motion in the NFL. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens, though. I'm sure at this point, I think he will play for the Cowboys again. I don't think they're going to let him go after this year. I think uh, I still do think that Dallas thinks that this is their franchise quarterback. But Dak Prescott, with this injury, lost the contract negotiation. It's kind of shitty to talk about that in that aspect. But usually when this happens with football players, and we saw this happen with, uh, who was it on the Seahawks last year? It wasn't last year. It was a couple of years ago with Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas, that's wanted, right, yeah. He wanted the big contract, and then he got injured and was like flipping fans off as he got carted off the field. Right, so like... When you when you go into that kind of negotiation, they turn it down and they tag you. Um, you now get put in a position where you basically are betting on yourself to outperform and get the contract. What do you want? If you get hurt, you lost the bet. And that's yeah, what just, happened to Dak Prescott, unfortunately. Well, it's just shitty that they tagged him twice. Like, bet he had to bet on himself basically three years in a row: his contract year, his first franchise tagged year, and then his second franchise tagged year. It's kind of disgusting. Yeah, it, it, it's not great. I'm not sure if he... And it doesn't seem like Dak Prescott really wants to play anywhere else. It doesn't seem like the Cowboys are too interested in like moving on from him, though, at the same time. It's a very weird situation. Um, So I'm certain he's going to go back and play for Dallas again. But they can tag him one more time. It Jesus would be like- Christ. It would be like thirty six million yeah. is what they'd have to pay him mm-hmm. at that point. Uh, yeah, it, it's a pain. Like a almost like a red shirt clause in NFL contracts, where if they don't play enough games on it, then they it gets pushed back a year. Like another year gets added on. 
Uh, yeah, the problem is, is he played enough for the tag to kick in. Oh. You had to play. You had to play. Uh, five. You had to start five games, and that was literally the fifth game. Oh, okay, that's good. I'm so glad he keep him again for no reason no 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 he they have to give him the money it's just that it's after that he's he has no long-term security after the money that he's getting from this contract. so but that's the thing that confused me is okay so does that mean he's a free agent like like what happens after this the year ends you know because but he's technically not under contract so I don't know what the the protocols for that are. I'm sure it's it's something different than what we're used to seeing. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I we've talked about you know how this injury is going to affect Dak Prescott, and to bring it back to how what we can expect from Andy Dalton. I don't know, man. I just don't. I don't think Dallas is a good team. So in my mind, I don't see it as an improvement, nor do I see it as a downgrade. Like Dak Prescott is much better, I think, at this point than Andy Dalton is. And Dak Prescott could not overcome how bad his defense was, how suddenly how injured and porous this offensive line has become especially now that Tyron Smith is not playing. Ezekiel Elliott has not been running the ball particularly well. They have good receivers, but everything else around this team is just not good. So I'm not confident that Andy Dalton is going to be able to do much better than Dak Prescott. Now, that being said, they could probably still win the division because, good Lord, is that division terrible? So, which is not a hot take. It's just like a, you know. Everybody knows that. It's just it's just the truth take. Um I speaking of a truth take, I got I got something I got something I want to get off my chest. Uh-oh, here it comes. I want to get something off my chest. All right. Uh-huh. And I brought this up in the group chat and I have a theory behind something that we're going to talk about. If everybody that I I'm listen. I'm a Steelers fan. I'm not a proud Steelers fan. I hate the team more than I love it. Right? Most years. Okay? These guys can attest to that. But when the Steelers are playing well and doing well, obviously it makes me happy. (laughs) Obviously I'm like excited when I actually think we are good. Right? But I don't go around talking about like, oh, you know, we're going to like, I'm not one of those fans like, oh, we're going to go to the Super Bowl. We're going to, no, we're not. We're not going to beat the Chiefs. We're not going to beat the Ravens. Hell, we may not even beat the Titans. Or the Bills. I don't know. We may not even beat Cleveland this weekend. Who knows? But when people come up to me and they're like, man, like you guys are 4-0, but you haven't played anybody. But yet no one says that about the Los Angeles Rams. Who are 4-0 against literally the entire NFC East. They've played the entire NFC East. They beat all four of them. And the one game that they didn't play against the NFC East was against the Bills. And for two and a half quarters of that game, they were getting run off the field. So why why is it that people are saying like, oh, man, the Steelers aren't that good. They haven't played anybody. But then I got to listen to people talk. Oh, man, the Rams are really good. The Rams are really sneaky They're Oh, man, Aaron Donald is leading the league in sacks, even though he had four against the what the Reds, uh, not the Redskins, the uh, the Washington football team alone. 
Like, that bothers me, man. I gotta get it off my chest. It's bothering me. <laughs> the last time we said that an NFC team, NFC East team, wasn't playing anybody, they both went to the Super Bowls in consecutive years. We'll the, the way I've started to come down on this is like, I don't know, sometimes it's hard to, it, it's easy to tell, like, like the Cowboys last year, if you're beating up on bad teams and stuff like that, but I, I feel like the NFL is such a matchup league that, oh, for sure, even like, even like great teams will end up playing a shitty team and lose, and you just can't like... I don't. I'm starting to really, really drift toward drift towards disliking the phrase "you haven't beat anybody," because there's. I think you need to look deeper, and I think like just saying that outright, like, just doesn't do anything for anybody. It doesn't prove anything really. No, it, I mean it proves a little bit. It it, it 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 proves stuff when you play against a good team. If it, it shows like what you do in different situations, in my opinion. But like, like good yeah, in what way though? Like, if you're not, well, in the way that the Bills haven't played a good team until the Titans and they got their socks rocked, that kind of way. The kind of way that the Steelers the Steelers have played a combined 2-14-1, and, and now they have to play the 4-1 and one Browns this week. If they lose this game, their defense is a little sus. We know the back end sus. Can that pass rush get to Baker? You know, those sorts of things. Well, what if they lose that game and the defense still puts up great numbers? It's like, this is the thing, though, right? Like, see, that, like, I think you just have to dig a little bit deeper than that. I understand the sentiment, but, like, just saying that flat out, like, oh, look, they played against teams with these records. They played against a team with these records. Why? Oh. Well, no, it's definitely the context. Context is super important sure. behind that. There's context behind behind every win and loss in the NFL and every matchup in the NFL. I just, like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's. It, it, it's weird. It doesn't always work out. This was the reason why. There's a reason why any given Sunday is a thing. But like you know, the analytics matter. This is an analytical well, league. That's, now. That's, I'm not saying that analytics don't matter. I'm actually saying the analytics should be inserted more into the conversation because the NFL is a matchup league. Hmm. No, last, I, year, last year I couldn't stop saying the 49ers haven't played anybody, and, that and they was, went to the Super Bowl. And they went to the Super Bowl. Like, look at. We through six weeks last year, they 49ers played the Buccaneers, the Bengals, the Steelers without Ben Roethlisberger, the Browns, the Rams, and the 49 or in the uh, Washington football team. Those were the, their first six games, and it's still a team that was able to go to the Super Bowl. Like, because when they played a good team, they still beat them. I look yeah. at last year's New England Patriots through the first four and five weeks. This is historically the best defense I've ever seen in the NFL history of my eyes. And then they played a couple of good teams, and they're like, "All right, they're still good, but they're not as good as we thought." You know that that's that's that seems well, to be what happens. Well, that's the context, Matt, you right know, there. Unfortunately, that's we don't get a league where we get to see the best teams match up against each other each week. We have to watch teams that are, you know, complete play against teams that are rebuilding more often than not. I will say the one thing Justin brought it up talking about the, the defense of the Steelers. And that was the thing when we were talking about it in the group chat, Corey said, and Corey was like, you know, I, I think the the Steelers real only, the only thing I'll say about the Steelers is that their back end looks really bad. And I thought back to week one when we played the giants and Daniel Jones had that big game. Now Daniel Jones got sacked a lot, 
And, you know, Saquon Barkley was getting tackled 15 yards in the backfield. But their receivers were getting open a lot and they were getting a lot of deep passes. And Darius Slayton caught two touchdowns. And after the game was over, Mike Tomlin was talking about how, you know, they purposefully, you know, are scheming it up so that their corners are often, you know, man to man on these islands or they're playing like soft coverage zones and stuff like that. And I was wondering, like, okay, well, why did the corners and these safeties look so good last year, but they're not looking so good this year? So I went ahead and looked because, you know, we're talking a lot of people are bringing up like how much pressure the Steelers are getting with like with our pass rush. Right. So last year, um, over the course of the season, and again, this is a Pittsburgh defense last year that was like top three in basically every single statistical category. Right. Um, They won eight games despite having a third string quarterback. But they only blitzed as in they brought five or more rushers on 30. See here, 34 percent of their like of of their, you know, like their pass rush things. Right. Like 34 percent of the time they brought five or more guys. Right. Last year. This year, that number is up over 50 percent. So it's the same defense, same guys, same scheme, same coaches, but they're blitzing like 16 percent more. And I was thinking about that. And if you piece together, okay, what Tomlin said, plus when you talk to a lot of the defensive players for Pittsburgh, the number one thing they rave about is Big Ben, right? Like Cam Hayward and all this. Oh, we love having Big Ben, Big Ben back, and Joe Hayden saying all the same stuff, and you know T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree. They're all talking about how great it's to, how great it is to have Ben back. And I think the reason for that, and the reason we're seeing the Steelers DBs kind of not play as well is because the Steelers mentality last year defensively was it's we're going to have to win this game for the team, right? The offense is not putting up points. We can't move the ball. We need to be the catalyst that wins the game. So we can't take a bunch of unnecessary risks. We have to be careful when we blitz. We have to be careful when we're putting guys on islands because we can't give up big plays because we can't win. But this year, because you have Ben Roethlisberger healthy and you have a healthy receiving core and James Conner is healthy. The Steelers now are kind of being like, okay, well now let's just blitz the shit out of everybody. Because even if we give up these big plays, you know, we're giving up these big touch, these big catches to Fulgram against the Eagles. But at the very least we have Ben Roethlisberger. He can kind of keep it close and keep it together and put drives together. So I think that's what it is. Like if I had, I know I gave a really long explanation, but like when I looked at the pressure numbers and the blitz rate numbers, that to me made sense. It The reason the Steelers DBs don't look as good this year than they did last year is because this year they're being isolated way, 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 way more than they were last year, just from a schematic standpoint. And like these corners aren't great. <laughs> like they were never great. They were never elite. I think that they're just average. They're like average to below average guys. But last year they were getting a lot of help. They were playing a lot more safe. And this year they're not this year. They're blitzing like crazy because they're just trying to get extra possessions for Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought that made sense to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I could see it. Definitely. Um, Well, I was going to say, all right, let's look ahead to a Thursday night game. Um, But there, there isn't one this week. 
Oh no! There just uh, isn't one. That game got pushed. Being saved from a bad Thursday night game. Oh no! How could we ever pick pick a random Sunday game, Justin, and 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 we'll talk about just that game and pretend like it's the Thursday game. Okay, hold on. Let me let me uh, pull up the full schedule here. NFL Week Six. What do we got? Just pick a random game. Oh, dude. Here we go. Here we go. This is, this this will be a good one. Um, Lions at Jags. Yo, this is the Corey Clemens Bowl. Yeah, Stafford and the Stash. Oh my God, Corey, are you gonna like? This is the only game you're allowed to watch all day. Yeah, I mean, like it, it falls perfectly because the Saints are on by this week, so I yeah. can just dedicate my entire existence to Stafford and the Stash. That should be like a, a '70s cop drama. <laughs> Stafford and Stash. <laughs> Stafford oh, and the Stash. Who, who's in a more dire situation in that game? The Lions. You think so? The Jags know what they are at this point. <laughs> like the the Lions are, are a weird team that has spent the last like two and a half, like two three years, like fighting for like some kind of like strong identity. And I, I feel like they're maybe starting to put something together here, but it's still like really weird. I think they should. I think like they need to be able to beat up on the Jags here really hard. I mean, they're coming off of a bye week, and we know how. Uh, we know just how great you know Matt Patricia is coming off of a bye week uh-huh. with his great defensive schemes, where they rush three all game long and mm-hmm. play man to man coverage all game long. Mm-hmm. And that's all they do. And they don't do anything else. Fantastic. That's it. That's all they do. That's their defense. Lions are going to win by 14 points. I think the Lions are going to win as well. I think, uh, what's the line right now? Jaguars plus three? I would, I would, I. Oh, what the fuck? I'd probably take Detroit. Yeah. Jacksonville's. Here's the thing about Detroit Detroit at the very least has like looked competitive the last like two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. Like the Jaguars have not looked great since that week two game. Yeah. And I mean, they got boat raced by Miami and then lost the Bengals. And then a couple days ago against Houston, it just never really looked like they were in control of the game. Um, Now, this is the worst team that they've played since the Bengals. Um, But I think Detroit's offense, as long as, you know, they don't come out in the second half and try to run the ball three straight times every down. um, I think Detroit, I think Detroit could could win that game and get on the get on the board. uh, I think so. Is I that their know. first? I think Jacksonville's going to win that game. Oh well, you're just trying to be contrarian. No, this just, just feels like the perfect, this feels like the perfect Matt Patricia failure game. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't even be surprised. I thought uh, you got what a terrible coach. If you guys would like to know, uh, the PFF offensive and defensive rankings for these teams. Yeah, um, sure. The offense for the Detroit Lions is ranked 18th. The offense for the Jaguars is ranked 25th. 
The defense for the Jaguars is ranked 28th, and the defense for the Lions is ranked 31st. Nice. That's a recipe oh for disaster. That's going to be a shit-ass game. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> All right, boys. With that, I think we're going to call it here. Make sure you give us some money on patreon.com. Uh, make sure you uh, like wherever you're listening to us at and follow the channel. Uh, we're on Spotify. Make sure you go listen to us there. It's pretty cool. I like Spotify as a podcasting service. It's nice. It's a little intuitive. It is pretty intuitive, isn't it? I like it. And that's that's where I've been listening to podcasts now. It's it's a real good good time. Yeah, I like it. We'll see y'all again. We'll hear from us again, I guess. Yeah, our preview. We'll we'll hit on every team on the previews. Today was just headlines and whatever we wanted to talk about. Right, and Friday we'll be back. We're going to go through all the games. I guess except that one because we went through it. Oh, well, you know, whatever. Make well, sure we'll you uh, over it again, just in case you missed us today. Mm-hmm. And if and... you missed us today, how are you listening to us? Right, exactly. Right? Weird. And I uh, make how sure you uh, subscribe on Patreon. Make sure you check the number one hit new drama, Stafford and the Stash, on weekdays at nine PM on CBS. Can Can I just share one thing real quick before we go? Yeah, go ahead. It's like a similar thing what I did last episode when I told you guys that Cooper Cup is the the highest rated. Uh, or the second highest rated player in the entire NFL in run blocking. Uh huh. Go ahead. Um. So for some reason, because I wanted to, I wanted to make myself laugh. Um. I pulled up the team rankings for the Jets Miami game. Uh huh. So do you want to know what the offenses are ranked in this game? Twenty nine and twenty six. All right. Let's just keep these numbers in mind. Okay. So the offense of the New York Jets is ranked 32nd, dead okay. last. Yeah, that, mean, that makes more sense, actually. The offense of the Dolphins Let is ranked... Guess. Huh? Let me guess. What? The 13th? No. It is ranked 22nd. Oh. I, I was just looking at, like, the Dolphins... I mean, everybody's putting up points this year, but, but the Dolphins are just getting into some high-scoring games, it seems like. Um, it's, I think they're still low because, um, their first two weeks were really bad offensively. So their, their grades kind of getting dragged down a little bit from the, that Patriot and bills game. Um, but then we go to the defensive side, the defense for the Miami dolphins is ranked 32nd and the defense for the jets is ranked 22nd. So you have the 32. So you have the 32nd ranked, you have the dead last ranked offense versus the dead last ranked defense versus the 22nd ranked offense and the 22nd ranked defense. This game is going to end in a tie. You heard it here first. Nice. All right, with that, boys, we're going to get out of here. I love you. Is that my, is it me? me Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, um, I don't. Okay, good. Yeah, you're not sorry. Damn. All right, you're right. (laughs) 